Hi everyone, it's your friendly neighborhood relationship coach Jason, continuing our series on life transitions. Today I'm talking about dating for finding a partner. Now, initially this happens for most people, either in their teens or early 20s. If you're separated and starting over again, you can sort of go through this again. And some people just continue this. Some people don't date to find a partner, so I'm not talking about dating where this is to have fun or that kind of dating where you're just experiencing the world. This is the specific transition I'm talking about where you're actually dating with the hopes of finding a partner for a lifetime. You want a monogamous relationship. I know that's not for everybody. So this is for the people who are looking for that, just some information and tips that can help along with that. So if you are young, you listened to the last episode about brain development and people in their early adulthood and how that can impact a relationship while your prefrontal cortex is developing. You got to think about how hard it is to have good empathy and to think about other people and to think long-term. You don't have the proper understanding of what risk to yourself is yet. You're relying on your community to provide that for you. So necessarily when you're dating, unless you're what people typically call an early bloomer when it comes to brain development, um, you are not in a space to really consider other people and be in a mutual trust-based relationship because you just don't have it together for that until your late 20s. This is the reality. It will be very difficult, if not impossible, to achieve that long term. Yes, there are exceptions. I'm talking about rules. A lot of people grow into their relationship being successful and they just basically have fun in their late 20s. Conversely, if you're a person with ADHD, not everybody with ADHD, but many people with ADHD have delayed development in their prefrontal cortex, which means that the same challenges that people face in their early 20s, some people face... Um, I think the last time I was looking at the documentation, it was up to 14 years delay. So if you think about it, if most people have their prefrontal cortex, let's say in their mid to late 20s and pretend that that's 26, 27, remember it's an average. So not everybody is fully developed at 26, 27, but let's assume it is 26, 27. And you know that some people with ADHD um, and other mental challenges neurodiversity may not have the full development until they're, if you just do the math, 40 years old. So what that can look like is you look at someone and you wonder why they're so inconsiderate. You wonder why they can't or won't think long-term and why they're so attracted to any new thing that comes along. They have impulse control issues. Some of that is brain development. Um, and unfortunately, it makes it very difficult to have a trust-based relationship with people who are still going through that. If you're aware of it, you can have community and people to hold you accountable for the challenges you're going through. You certainly can have different systems to help you achieve the goal of being a better partner. Everybody can improve in this. I'm not saying that people can't have relationships. I'm saying it's generally more of a challenge in that age group. So something to keep in mind when you're dating to find a partner early in life. Apps. 
and tools. Uh, dating apps, not going to name them. They're generally all owned by the same company. So whichever one you're on, they use slightly different algorithms to match you with people who are interested in the same things that you say you're interested in. I'm trying to say this very carefully. These are good. Mostly they're optimized for meeting people, but for long-term, they don't have a great record. People are still, I think it's a third of people still meet their partners in North America, which is where these apps are rampant. A third of people, more than a third of people still meet their partner through mutual connections. Like I say, there are always exceptions and then there are rules. So as a rule, the largest number of people meet through mutual friendship connections. They meet through mutual work connections is the second highest, which means either you are most likely to meet your partner by being friends with people and meeting them. Either they are a friend or you meet them and they are a friend of a friend. And the second highest is that you meet them through work or you meet them through a coworker. Those are the two overwhelmingly highest numbers the last time I looked. So my suggestion for people who are dating generally is that the apps can be fun and the apps can be useful, but you want to think about the apps maybe as most efficiently as a way to grow your network, to get into the habit of meeting new people and being curious with people. Maybe you're nervous and this gets you out of your nutshell, but it's, it's still, I think it's less than 20% of people meet their partner on apps. That doesn't mean you shouldn't give up. You might meet your partner on an app, but I'm just trying to keep it honest with you and give you an idea of, well, they can be useful for meeting people and increasing your network, but the flip side is that they're not great for helping you meet a long-term partner. They can be good for fun if you put what you like on there and someone else wants to see the movies you like or they want to eat the same food that you want to eat. There are some upsides to the apps. So that's number two. The third thing that's really important when you're getting into this phase is that you, in this life tr transition, you need to know yourself. And again, this is very difficult to do when you haven't experienced a lot of life yet. There are some social norms that are basically unfair to young people as far as expecting them to understand what they're going to want for the rest of their life when they only have maybe five years of a very young adulthood under their belt. But no matter what, even if you are older, say, say you're in your 40s, 50s, whatever, and you've gotten divorced and you want to go out and meet someone, the data that you have is the information about yourself while you were in your last relationship. And in the moment right after you are separated, you may not be in the best mental place to actually figure out what you want. So I would really encourage you to get to know yourself, work with the therapist if you have to, Take the time you need to to recover from your last relationship. If you're a young person, take the time you need to to experience the world, experience what's going on around you, learn what you like and don't like. Knowing yourself is better than being on a timeline to get into a relationship with someone. So get to know yourself. There are many ways to do this. I am a big fan of journaling, the things that you like and don't like. I'm a big fan of if you're privileged enough to travel outside of your town or city, that's great. Many people aren't. 
So if you are not privileged enough to have the means to travel, it's good to travel your own area. And what I mean by that is discover the area where you live. Go to the different things that are available to you in the space that you live in. I'm going to stop it there because I'm trying to keep this short as usual. Curiosity is number four. You need to be curious. Just like if you think of knowing yourself as being curious about yourself and what you like and dislike, you need to be curious of the people that you are meeting, of the people that you are coming across in the world. One of the best things that you can do to build relationship and trust is actually be sincerely curious about what that person likes, what they're into, what they've experienced and what it's meant to them instead of coming to them with ultimatums and things that you need and want and what you want in the next three, four, five years. It's very important to remain curious Honestly, even after you find your partner, this is going to be a big thing. But right now we're talking about dating. You need to stay curious about the people that you're meeting. It's it's one of the times that it is good to say less about yourself and try to focus more on finding out about the person that you're trying to meet. And yes, you want to share with them when the time is right to be vulnerable and teach them about you. But you really need to get to know the people that you're meeting. And last but not least, we talked a few shows about consent. Consent matters not just for the physical stuff, but as far as the time that people are going to spend. Your expectations about how often they are going to message you. Your expectations about what you're going to do around holidays. What you, how often you're going to talk to them. Nobody owes you responding to your message in X amount of time. Nobody owes you a certain amount of dates in a certain amount of weeks. And no one owes you that if you've been dating for a certain amount of time, that they should kiss you by this point, or they should have sex with you by a certain point, or they have to meet your parents by a certain point. Everything is very individual. And part of the going back to the last one, being curious will help you to find out what that person's into instead of assuming that things are going to go the way that you want them to go. You need to seek consent from the people, especially as you're just meeting them for how you're going to move forward in the relationship. So those are the five tips that I have. Remember brain development is happening. If it's a young person or if that person has, um, any kind of neurological challenges or development stuff. Remember what the apps are for, mostly for fun and meeting people. And every now and then you will get lucky and meet a partner. Number three, get to know yourself. Number four, stay curious. And number five, remember that consent matters. I hope this helps and have a good day.